SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Manukora Honey. Merriam-Webster defines honey as a sweet, viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees. And that's all good and fine, but old Miriam and Webster (laughs) used some words that I don't know and didn't really hit the mark when it comes to talking about Manukora honey. First off, Manukora isn't just sweet and viscid. It's got a rich, complex taste and a creamy, melt-in-your-mouth texture that you won't find in your average, everyday grocery store honey. And nectar of flowers doesn't cut it when you're talking about the nectar of the Manuka tea tree in New Zealand. The only nectar these bees feed on in the production of Manukora honey. In conclusion, Manukora ain't just your average boring dictionary defined honey. It's special honey. I know this firsthand. Uh, they sent us a jar, a squeeze bottle, and some honey sticks. And we've been sharing them around the office of their MGO 850 Plus, their best selling honey. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not <laughs> what you're thinking of when you think of honey. Look, have you ever think to yourself, if like, a company made grapes for the first time, we'd go nuts. It's, I feel like honey is this way, where I'm like, if anybody like made this up, we'd be going out of our minds. But this is like if honey happened again. Did you like the honey, Sari? So I moved into a new place where there's no insulation in the walls. And so uh, I've been drinking a lot of tea. And mm-hmm. sometimes that tea needs a little bit of honey. And I initially poured in this honey thinking it was going to be grocery store honey. And then I was like, that's different. And now it's a little uh, breakfast treat. It's a great breakfast treat because it's 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 a little like it's for toast. I could put like this on my butter toast and I'm like, oh, I'm having an experience. So Merriam-Webster also defines ultimate as the best or most extreme of its kind. Now that one fits Manukora to a T. Indulge in the best or most extreme sweet viscid material elaborated out of nectar of flowers in the honey sack of various bees from Manukora. If you head to manukora.com slash tangents, you can get $25 off their starter kit, which comes with the MG850 Plus Manuka Honey, a free travel pack of honey sticks, a free wooden spoon, and also a free guidebook. That's M-A-N-U-K-O-R-A dot com slash tangents to get $25 off your starter kit. Welcome to SciShow Tangents, the lightly competitive knowledge showcase starring some of the geniuses that make the YouTube series SciShow happen. This week, as always, I am joined by Stefan J. Hello. How are you? Good. Stefan, what's your tagline? Beefy tread expert. Uh, Sam Schultz is also here. Hello. Sam, what's your tagline? Uh, how about uh, neck warmer? And we also got Sari Riley here. Hi, Sari. Hello. Thanks for joining me on the science couch that is also the fashion couch today. <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. We look very cool. This is a new shirt. I got it yeah. on Sunday. So. This is also a fairly new shirt for me. I got it this year in 2019. <laughs> so that's pretty recent. That's pretty recent. Yeah, yeah, we're like up to date fashion. And what's your tagline? Secret bandage. Whoa. Do you have a secret bandage? No, I was. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. You don't have to tell yeah, me. Yeah. Okay. I feel like a hug is like a secret bandage oh. or something. It's like you feel better, but it's not there. If only a hug could last forever. And I'm Hank Green. Mm. I, <laughs> Sam didn't like that idea. No. <laughs> Let go of me eventually. You have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> My tagline is purple. 
Every week here on SciShow Tangents, we get together to try to one-up, amaze, and delight each other with science facts for playing for glory, but we're also keeping score and awarding Hank Bucks. We do everything we can to stay on topic, but judging by previous conversations and the name of the podcast, we will be bad at that. If the rest of the team deems one of your tangents unworthy, you will be forced to give up a Hank Buck. Now, as always, we introduce this week's science topic with the traditional science poem this week from Stefan. Humans are just tubes with cheeks at both ends, tubes that shuttle food towards the colon that descends, chewing in saliva, then gastric acid, unlocking the nutrients along the way. And sometimes the process ends up being quite rapid, if you uh, had a lot of coffee today. (laughs) But your tubes contain 90% of your body's serotonin and trillions of microbes, over a thousand species. What a wonderful place to make a home in, even though in the end, it's all just feces. But I thank you, my tube dudes, with frequent food ingestion. So get to work, tubes. You know what to do. Digestion. The topic for today is digestion, <laughs> which is what you do to get food on the inside of you. I guess. That's like eating. Not, not to get, no, to get food on the inside because the tube is outside still. <gasps> oh. The process of digestion is getting it from inside the tube to inside mm. your body. Topology arguments now here. <laughs> <laughs> to, for clarity, I maintain that your digestive tract is the outside of your body. Yeah. <laughs> I think the esophagus... weird donut. You could say is outside. No, the whole thing's outside. But there's sphincters at the end of the esophagus and then at the anus. But they open. That's, they, yeah, they yeah, open. Doors open, but yeah, you can still go inside is, a house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Great metaphor. I, like, I see what you mean. But what if there's a hallway in the house? Uh, Hank's just too dug in on this one. <laughs> I feel like if all your sphincters were all open at once, I think then you're a donut. Like... Then you're topologically outside Everywhere. But I think that a sphincter doesn't count as a body door. I think the body door is like the like the skin, and there is no door into the body. A body door opens, you need like you need a doctor. Dang, that's a good point too. <laughs> Sari, what's digestion? <laughs> Basically, it's breaking stuff down. Uh-huh. There are mechanical ways of digestion. So mm-hmm. like your teeth, you chomp stuff and then So my teeth, my face bones are part of my digestive system. Yes. And there's a lot of enzymes involved in digestion. So in your saliva, there's a bunch of enzymes. In your stomach acid, there's a bunch of acid loving enzymes. Mm-hmm. Right? Acid loving is in they just like to splash around in there. Well yeah. the the enzymes they're just chemicals. Mm. But oh, they won't right. they won't get messed up okay. by the acid. Okay. Yeah. They tolerate and like thrive as much as enzymes can in that environment. <laughs> it makes it sound like they're bacteria. They're not. They okay. just, like, function well mm-hmm. in uh, an acidic right. environment. Okay. Right. They wouldn't function in a non-acidic environment. And I think this, the gastric acid, like, stomach acid itself helps a little bit because, like, very acidic things can denature proteins, which is a breaking things down. But that's, like, that's digestion. So digestion is the breaking down, not the absorbing. Yeah, I think so. Because mm. digestion is used... I looked up the etymology. So it comes from dis, which is a part... And gerere, which is to carry. So like mm. to carry apart. Oh. Um, and that makes sense <laughs> to me because you can have extracellular digestion, which is all the stuff that's happening in your 
digestive tract, and then you can have intracellular digestion. So it's once stuff gets absorbed into your cells, it still can get broken down into smaller mm. and smaller pieces. Mm-hmm. Phagocytosis is a very fun thing because it's like when a white blood cell, if you've ever seen like the magic school bus or something, and like a white blood cell eats the germs and mm. then it breaks the, them down inside, that's digestion. Oh. That's phagocytosis and then intracellular digestion is that where it's like small eating. So everybody digests. Does a white blood cell get something from digesting the virus or is that not really how it works it's part of your immune system so its main goal is defense it doesn't eat the thing it it might use that why not use the (sighs) building blocks yeah like once they're in there they're gonna get used there are some white blood cells that ingest bacteria or viruses and if those bacteria or viruses have proteins on the outside Mm -hmm. then they like stick them out or like Mm. build something to recognize those particular proteins Mm. and then move around your body with like an advanced detection system so they like steal the information how do they know (laughs) how do they know it's all random chance it's amazing i love biology because they don't they don't know (laughs) that's the beautiful thing do any of us actually (laughs) so that means i guess that it's time for Where we have one of our panelists who has prepared three science facts, but only one of those facts is real. We have to guess which one of these amazing things about the universe is the true fact, or we will have to give Sam a Hank buck. So Sam, tell me, what is up with digestion facts and stuff? Okay, so platypuses are super weird. (laughs) I've heard. (laughs) They have spurs laced with venom, their beaks detect electric fields, and they sweat milk, and they lay eggs all freaking weird. Uh Uh-huh. But the weirdness extends all the way to their digestive system. Which of these weird platypus digestive quirks is real? Love it. I love it. Mm. Both have very smug looks on your faces. I'm a little worried about No, this. I feel like I should know it. But as soon as you say the three things, I'll have no idea. This is why I lose truth or fail. <laughs> okay. Number one. Baby platypuses have a smelly, sticky digestive oil that they can projectile vomit at anything they view as a threat. <laughs> Number Through their little bills. Okay, keep going. <laughs> Number two, platypuses do not have stomachs. Their system just goes straight from throat to intestines. Mm-hmm. Or number three, platypuses poop once a week, and that poop can weigh as much as one-third of their body weight. Oh, they do a big duke. A big old poopy. I saw mm-hmm. a chicken poop one time, and I was astounded. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> like, you see bird poop, mm-hmm. and it's just like, there's this little poop. But then chickens, because they're very big birds. I forget how big chickens are. It was like the size of a chicken egg. Yeah, it was kind of the shape of one. So I was staring yeah. right down its butt when it did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam and I witnessed the same chicken pooping yeah. close up. And I was like a little upset by the whole thing. I'm just saying this because I'm thinking about egg-laying animals and their poops. Sure. I guess I could see that, that a platypus would have a real big duke. I'm now imagining humans laying eggs in the shape of our poops. Oh, come on. But why? The chickens have poops that are the shape of eggs, so humans would have eggs that are the shape of poops. Uh, These little tadpoles. Wait. What? Are you... Wait. Step on poops are shaped like tadpoles, everybody. (laughs) No, they'd be the shape of feet. That's the actual shape of human poop, right? They look like little... Wait, what? Feet. You poop feet shapes? This is a trap. This is a trap, yeah. I was like, what? what? Okay. <laughs> there are weird things with feet, though. So for some... Like, Wait, <laughs> what? We're talking about feet now? Careful, girl. Your foot is the same length as your forearm. 
Cool. That's a body measurement. Boy, device. negative one point. <laughs> yeah. Shortest on. tangent to trigger a negative. That was my fun fact. <laughs> that might have been the first one that I've ever felt like was actually unworthy. Oh, man. Okay. I won't share my fun facts anymore then. <laughs> you got to take the risk. I do. It's all about the I risk. really like that fact. So I thought it was worth it. Okay, fine. Negative one. So we got one baby pot can projectile vomit their sticky digestive juices at potential threats. Two, platypuses do not have stomachs. Their esophagus just connects to their intestines. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Or three, platypus poop once per week, and it can weigh as much as a third of their body weight. Um, I'm immediately drawn to big dukes, but <laughs> I'm wondering what do platypuses eat? Like, do they eat uh, a kind they... of food that would allow... Or that they wouldn't need to digest that yeah. much. I think that platypuses eat. Do you know that? I think that they eat like little wormy and bugs that they find mm. inside yes. the soil. That's what I think. Like okay. small grasses, small bugs. It's like a bird-like diet. Do they eat I think. like vegetation too? I, th- I want to say yes, but I, I don't know. I feel like if they I'm eat vegetation, guessing. they would have to poop more often. Because that's mm. how it is for me. <laughs> more fiber. More meat and cheese, less poop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to imagine what additional processes would be required to make the no stomach thing work. Stomach is mostly not for absorption, it's for breaking down. Did they chew with that bill? Is that part of what the bill does? Because if they could like chew it up real good, maybe they wouldn't need a stomach. There are also things like chambers that some animals have, so like a gizzard and a bird where mm-hmm. they swallow rocks and they like rumble around. That digests stuff. Are platypuses related to birds at all? No. 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 no, no. <laughs> Sorry, I went along that tangent as though yeah. like, they have beaks, they therefore have... they're birds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have a duck bill. Yeah. Yes, yeah. They have the a name duck, duck they lay eggs. is in there. Of the of the words in the name <laughs> duck-billed platypus, only one of them is a kind of animal and it's a bird. I I think that platypuses do not have stomachs. I also think that. Oh, that makes me think they know something. I'm going to big dukes. The answer is platypuses don't have stomachs. Yeah! (laughs) Fashionable and smart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we should have all gone with the same one. Uh, We could have deprived Sam of his points. Yeah, but I didn't want a repeat of the molasses pipeline. Oh, God, the molasses pipeline. I told somebody about that recently when I was in Monterey, California at the aquarium, and I was like, let me tell you about the molasses pipeline. And they weren't amazed at all. They They were like, yeah, in Monterey, we we used to have sardine pipelines. Oh, my. What? What? For dead sardines or alive? Uh, Yeah, so they like catch the sardines on the ships and then like pipe them into the sardine canning factory. There's a whole new YouTube channel. Yeah. Like weird pipelines. Weird pipes. Weird pipes. (laughs) What's the weirdest pipe? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, let me explain some of these to you. Yeah. Uh, Platypuses do not have stomachs. Uh, Many fish also don't have stomachs. And scientists think that it is for kind of a similar reason. Platypuses dwell a lot in water. Fish obviously dwell in water. And they eat similar things. So platypuses eat like shrimp and worms and stuff at the bottom of the water that they live in. And while fish are eating and while platypuses are eating, they probably eat a lot of dirt Mm. and mud Mm. and stuff. And that Scientists think, this is just a possibility, they're not really sure, that the mud would neutralize the stomach acid anyway. Mm. So just enough of that happening to their stomachs, because I think that they did used to have stomachs, but (laughs) enough of that happening just eventually made it so that their stomachs withered away into nothing. (laughs) But they aren't really sure about that and that they just depend on the enzymes in their intestines doing all the work. And then the other thing was that 
things like crabs and crawfish also have a lot of um, calcium carbonate in them, which mm-hmm. is also an acid neutralizer. Hmm. So how big are their dukes? Okay, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just normal animal size. Oh. But the dukes one is sloths. Sloths only poop uh. about once a week. And they're huge poops that take them forever to get out. There's a very good video that I'll link to in the... It's a time lapse. Yeah, kind of. The sun is setting. <laughs> it's this lady holding this very sad-looking sloth, and this poop's just coming out so slow. And the lady's like, oh, no. She feels really bad for it. So they poop, and it's one-third their total body weight, wow. generally. Um, it takes them, like, a month to digest things. And the way that they poop is kind of a mystery to science. They, <laughs> they, no one's what? ever chosen to watch. They climb down their tree onto the ground. Oh, right, right. And they poop on the ground, which is, like, the most dangerous thing that they could do. They should just poop off the tree. And scientists aren't really sure why. Some mm, people think it's courteous. a territory thing. They don't want to accidentally poop on somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, some scientists think it might be a territory thing or like a mate attraction thing, but other people think that moths live in their poop and they climb off the sloth while it's pooping. They're called sloth moths. Lay eggs in the poop and then they just keep their more moths and they have kind of a mutualistic relationship with huh. the moths where they cultivate some kind of moss that grows on the moth on the sloths. The moths. <laughs> The moths <laughs> cultivate moss on the sloths. And... This is definitely made up. <laughs> yeah, you're reading a Dr. Seuss story yeah. right now. And the things that vomit smelly, sticky digestive oil are northern fulmer gulls. Oh. They eat a bunch of fish and they break it down into oil, and that's what they feed their babies. But the adults and the babies can both projectiles shoot this goo. It smells really bad and scares stuff away. Hmm. And they used to be hunted for the goo so that they could use it for oil lamps. That's wild that we used to just suck a bunch of oil out of <laughs> a seagull instead of having a light bulb. Next up, we're going to take a short break, and then the fact off. SciShow Tangents is brought to you by Factor, whose ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning. Stress is stressful. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Life just goes and goes, and it doesn't ever stop going. There's always something else to do. And one of those things is a very important thing called eating dinner. To eat dinner, one must pick out what they want to eat and then go to the grocery store and then buy the stuff and then chop the stuff and do other things to the stuff. You have to heat the stuff and put it in water. And then afterwards, you have to take the things that you heated it in and they're gross and you have to make them clean again. Meanwhile, life is still happening. That all all that's building up around you. Oh, this is like terrifying. I'm so yeah. I never want to cook again. <laughs> You're right, factor ad. I don't. I don't want to have this happen. This is unacceptable. <laughs> Sometimes, uh, parentheses, all the time, uh, you just don't have the time or the energy for meal planning on top of everything else going on in your life. So thankfully, Factor is here to help. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon come mealtime. You can get chef-crafted meals that are better for you and better tasting than takeout delivered right to your door ready to heat and ready to eat. No prep, no mess, no sink full of dishes, no stress. We're kicking stress out the door in 2024, and I certainly hope that's true for me. Heck yeah, Factor. <laughs> Kick my stress. Right out the door. <laughs> I'm going to get a chest freezer just for these meals. <laughs> 
or you're going to need one because they have over 35 meals to choose from, flexible ordering options, add-ons, smoothies. Factor offers all sorts of fast, simple solutions when you're too busy to cook. Banish your stress, even if it's just for like one hour while you're eating dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash tangents50 and use code tangents50 to get 50% off. That's code tangents50 at factormeals.com slash tangents50 to get 50% off. Welcome back, everybody. Hank Buck totals, Sarah, you'd have one, except that your foot thing <laughs> happened, uh, and everybody else is tied with one. Yeah, I like <laughs> that you called it my foot thing happened. It makes it sound much worse than the actual tangent. <laughs> We're headed into uh, your chance to redeem yourself here at The Fact Off, where two panelists have brought science facts to present to the others in an attempt to blow their minds. They each have a Hank Buck to award the fact that they like the most. It's going to be me versus Sari. Who's going to go first? We're going to do it by who has the most teeth. (laughs) Uh, I think how many teeth. So I have 28 teeth. You have 28 teeth? Yes. I have, get this, 29. Ooh. They Uh, left one in? They left one in. They forgot about it? (laughs) Well, they went in to get it, and then they were like, that was too hard and didn't get it. They gave up and left one of my wisdom teeth in, and it has never given me trouble. It knows. If it gives you trouble... It's out it's, of there. Yeah, it's uh, it got taught a lesson. Yeah, yeah, you showed that to. It watched his three brothers be cracked in half and yanked out of their homes. Mm-hmm. So I guess I go first because I have twenty nine teeth. Mm-hmm. My fact off contains uh, some gruesome injury and suicide. Skip forward if you don't want to hear about those things. Sam, tell them what time code to skip to. You should skip to about twenty fifty. You guys, tell me all the organs of the digestive system. Teeth, the tongue, mouth, tongue, esophagus. Is esophagus an organ? Yeah. Okay. Yes. The stomach. Stomach. Small stomach, intestine. Small intestine. Ooh, large, large intestine. Large intestine. But. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, but. So what of those things can you not live without? Small intestine? That is correct. You only need the small intestine. Ooh. And in fact, there are people who live regularly without their large intestine. That happens all the time. It's probably the most common digestive organ to be removed, Mm. except for like the spleen, maybe. Uh, You can live without a stomach. And in fact, gastric bypass is kind of like living Mm. without a stomach. Mm. But also there is a gene that is so likely to give you stomach cancer, which is an extremely dangerous cancer, that some people who have that gene elect to have their stomach removed. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. So there are people who have elective stomach removals. Wow. There's also people who lose their stomachs or esophagus to cancer. You cannot live without a small intestine. My fact is that in 1989, a man wanted to kill himself, and he drank oven cleaner, and he destroyed his stomach and esophagus and the doctors saved his life and allowed him to continue eating, like he didn't have to like be on life support all the time, by connecting his small intestine directly to his throat. And because of this, he was not able to swallow anymore, but he could place food into the small intestine through his mouth, and then it would take over from there. And he was still like fairly disabled, like it yeah. was not an easy lifestyle. Like you can keep someone alive if they don't have a small intestine, but you have to constantly be putting nutrients into their bloodstream and it's sort of a short-term fix. Mm. But you can indeed connect the small intestine 
to the mouth Jeez. and have that work. How small food <clears throat> chunks did he have to stick yeah. down the tube? He would have to pre... Like puree? Yeah, pre, okay. pre-do the food. So can you talk more about why the small intestine is so important? Is it just because it's like where the nutrients get absorbed? Yeah. It's like the longest stretch? It's weird. Weird. Like, I think a lot of people imagine, and like this is how I used to imagine it, like that my stomach is the thing the food goes into and it's so that's where the nutrients get absorbed. Mm-hmm. But very few nutrients get absorbed anywhere except the small intestine. Like there are some sugars that can go through the wall of the stomach, but most of the stomach is there to break stuff down so that it's easier for the small intestine to get the nutrients out. That's why it's this extremely long thing with a huge amount of surface area because it has all these bumps and on the end of the bumps, there are more bumps so that you can get all of the nutrition from the food into the body. And then the large intestine is basically there like as a packaging plant more than anything. There's storage so that you don't have to poop all the time Mm -hmm. and that it comes out in sort of like a manageable chunk. It also absorbs water, which is helpful. Is that where all of your water absorption happens? Or? No, the water absorption happens in the small intestine okay. too. I think probably even before then. Do you know what they made the tube out of? Because that seems like a very weird challenge to have something that'll connect your mouth to your small intestine, stay sealed, and not react badly with your immune system. As far as I can tell, there was no tube. It oh. connected the small intestine. They just sewed it onto his esophagus, like onto his the back oh. of his throat. There's no thing. So when you remove an esophagus, you can sometimes shape the stomach into a sort of esophagus-like thing. Mm. And also you can now do esophagus transplants where, like, you get another person's esophagus. But in this case, like, there was no thing that got connected. They just ran the small intestine up from the belly through all of the area where the stomach and esophagus would be. And it just, like, does the peristalsis Mm -hmm. that it would normally do. And apparently, according to this, like, I saw an interview with the guy, and it was like, it's a fairly rapid thing. He has to eat, like, six or seven times a day. And each time, like, the food does not spend a great deal of time inside of him. Would you fart and burp without a stomach? Or does that all happen elsewhere? I don't know how burping would work, Mm. but you definitely fart. Okay. Would you fart out your mouth also? You can fart out your mouth, but only when things go wrong, I think. Mm. Like, when there's, Mm. like, significant blockages. Okay. So speaking of blockages, we rely on digestion working properly to live, but interesting things happen when it goes wrong, especially when a clump of junk like food or soil or seeds or even medications build up, and it's called a bezoar. And in humans, a really common type is called a phytobezoar. Uh, phyto meaning plant, so it's mostly cellulose and lignin mm. and tannin and other chunky indigestible plant material. Eating too much kale. Yeah. And it's mm. medically speaking super annoying. It's painful. It messes with your digestion, your bowel movements. You have this big chunk of stuff inside you. How long is this thing in there? Uh, as long as it takes to dissolve or be taken out. So surgery is usually a last resort. But there are two potential treatments for phytobezoars that involve sort of unexpected liquids. Um, and they're usually delivered through gastric lavage. From which which way? From the mouth, I think. Okay. It's like a stomach pump. It's, so it's like a neti pot, but like all the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a way to like deliver large amounts of fluid. Mm-hmm. So number one, it's a solution with enzymes in it. One of them is called cellulase, which breaks down cellulose. That's not mm-hmm. the weird one. And the other one is papayan which is papaya proteinase 1 that's found in the fruit, mm-hmm. papaya. Mm-hmm. And it's a popular ingredient in meat tenderizer because oh. it helps break down proteins, oh. which is I just thought it was very cool. Like we took a chemical from a fruit 
puts put it in meat tenderizer because it's so good at busting out proteins. And like that's the goal is tenderizing your phytobezoar. Uh-huh. So we're gonna stick some meat tenderizer in there. And number two, okay. the other liquid is Coca-Cola. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's that stuff's great for everything. Yeah. How much? Uh what do they hit me with? Uh, three liters. Three liters. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I am lavaged. <laughs> yeah. And so you can either do a gastric lavage with three liters of Coke or drink three liters of Coke over twelve hours. Oh, that's <laughs> well, twelve hours. That. That's easy. Yeah. I lavage on a weekly basis. <laughs> You're and, so clean inside. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, there was a review paper that looked at 24 studies from 2002 to 2012, including a total of 46 patients using Coke dissolved phytobezoars completely in half of those patients and 19 more of them with a little extra mechanical help, like endoscopy tools. So they would stick that. This is the butt Ooh. stuff. They would stick stuff up in, <laughs> in there and like mm-hmm. knock it around. Swizzle sticks. Yeah. And so only four of those patients had little enough dissolution to need surgery. Over 90% of these 46 patients were treated successfully with Coke. Wow. And the why, we're not entirely sure. And I don't know if people have tried other sodas. I tried to look into it. Coke is very acidic. It has the carbon dioxide bubbles, which probably help move things around. And apparently uh, sodium bicarbonate helps dissolve mucus. So like some combination of the Mm -hmm. factors and the ingredients in Coca-Cola. And the fact that you drank three liters. (laughs) (laughs) So it's good at dissolving things in our bodies. And so it's a recommended treatment because it's safe. Like people drink Coke all the time. It's easy to acquire. It's not an mm-hmm. expensive like medical thing or an yeah. enzyme yeah, that you have to, to get isolate. a bunch of like cellulase and papayan. So I've Googled phytobezoar and the Google image searches have supplied me with probably, you know, 80,000 things I didn't want to see. <laughs> but it is available if you would like to take it out yourself. We're not going to supply this for you. We're going to make sure that you go to discover this on your own without our help. There are also extreme versions of these. Like, if that isn't extreme enough, there are extra planty foods like persimmons and pineapples. I don't know what part of the pineapples these people are eating, but uh, <laughs> they're called diospyrobasors that, that have bad. compounds that react with the hydrogen chloride in stomach acid to form a mass. So they're uh-huh. like even tougher to break mm. down. And so they think that the Coca-Cola treatment works less well for these because there's some other chemical reaction making these bezoars huh. even worse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Coke is good for normal phytobezoars, but if you've got this extreme type, then maybe not as much. Like these are the ones that you usually need surgery That's for crazy, yeah. to the point where I think there were PSAs warning people of like, don't please don't eat too many persimmons because uh. these like digestive masses form. And even though we're like joking about drinking Coke and it is as easy as doing it, like don't do this without a doctor. We're not Doctors, this is not yeah. real medical advice. If you have a plant lump in you, go see a real doctor. Now that's good advice. If I had three liters of Coke in a day, I would be so, so wired. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I would be useless. You could do so much gaming if you had three liters. <laughs> <laughs> like D&D? What do you mean? No, no, like video, like video games. games. You can't you can play, play video Halo games so like, hard. Oh. Yeah, like Ticket to Ride on my iPad. Sure, Ooh. whatever. Whatever old people play. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, old people definitely play Ticket to Ride on their iPad. <laughs> yeah. Biggest problem with me playing Ticket to Ride on my iPad is that when I play with my friends, I'm way too good. Cool brag. <laughs> Maybe you lose a point now. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do it, do it. Definitely do. Why am I yeah. talking about Ticket to Ride right now? Why am I bragging about being good at a board game? 
Oh boy. All right. Well, now you have to decide who you give your point to. Not yeah. that it matters. Now that we're both losers. <laughs> dug ourselves back <laughs> down to zero. So here's what you have to choose from. Coca-Cola can cure weird plant masses that are inside of you. Or there's a man who had his small intestine connected to his throat. I'm going to give it to Sari. I think I am also going to give it to Sari. I, I feel that. And now it's time for Ask the Science Couch, where we ask listener questions to our couch of finely honed scientific minds. Stefan? At Sir Wonk O the Sane asks, would gum really take seven years to completely digest if it somehow managed to not get flushed out? Can I get a gum bezoar? It's a plant material, isn't it? No. It's not, no, it's an, no. most gum these days synthetic. The heck? You just chew one on rubber. Interesting. So the question is completely digest. I don't think you can. A lot of the chewing gum nowadays, I found a patent from Wrigley. They use mostly polyisobutylene, which is a synthetic rubber, also called butyl rubber. And I think it's it's used in a lot of things. I found like maybe on the inside of basketball lining. It's really hmm. airtight rubber. So it seems like a very sturdy polymer. I can't imagine anything that we ingest or a bacteria can do would break down. Right. Hmm. If you swallow a piece of gum, does it make it through mostly intact? Entirely or is it broken? Intact. Mm-hmm. In gum, there are like sugars and flavorings. And I think there's like preservatives or other, I don't know, chemical things. The sugars, when you chew it, your saliva helps dissolve and like mm-hmm. pulls out. But that's like when you stop tasting your gum, then mostly you're just chewing that synthetic rubber. Humans are so freaking weird. We're just like, you know what would be great is like sweet rubber. (laughs) I want to chew on some minty fucking rubber. So I guess, no, like it would take more than seven years. Like it would basically never happen. I feel like the, the only thing that would break down gum is like sunlight. Mm-hmm. Like high energy Ooh. particles, but you can't get any of that on the inside of you because you're opake. Unless you just you were... called it the inside of you. <laughs> 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 that's why you gotta have poops. Get the gum out. Yeah, that's the thing is like our digestive system is really good at flushing things out. So this yeah. this question was smart to ask if it somehow managed to not get flushed out because that's what our bodies do. We have yeah. the tube in us and it gets stuff out of us. Mm-hmm. So to be clear, people shouldn't be worried about gum getting stuck in their bodies for mm. ever. Uh-huh. Uh. <laughs> Did you look into where this came from? The seven years specifically? Seven years is just like it's a, a number that Pretty people... Pretty common number, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like when you break a mirror. I imagine it was like something and they just chose a big enough number to scare a kid. Sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> like seven whole years? One year? Yeah. yeah. But like older than you well, are. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, like seven, kids are like, that's two syllables. Yeah. <laughs> that must be a big one. <laughs> if you want to ask the Science Couch your questions, you can follow us on Twitter at SciShowTangents, where we'll tweet out the topics for upcoming episodes every week. Thank you to at Bozaster, at Daniel Bachiu, and everybody else who tweeted us your questions this week. Final, Hank Buck scores, I have nothing. Sam has one, Stefan has one, and Sari <gasps> leads. Wow. Even with a tangent. Even yeah. with a tangent. With two Hank Bucks. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't I didn't keep track this whole episode, so this is genuinely yeah. a surprise. You said wowie. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you could have had three. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I stand by my foot fact. Someone is going to tweet at me and be like, wow, cool fact, and I'll be vindicated. <laughs> Everybody tweeted Sari. Tell her how great her foot fact was. <laughs> Tell her that you support her foot thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you like this show and you want to help us out, I had to transition 
addition to that, so you have to keep it. It's really easy to do that. First, you can leave us a review wherever you listen. That's very helpful and helps us know what you like about the show. Second, tweet out your favorite moment from this episode. And finally, if you want to show your love for Tai Show Shanzins, you can just tell people about us. And if you want to read more about any of our topics today, check out SciShowTangents.org to find all the links to our sources. We promise we didn't put any pictures of phytobezoars on the page. Thank you for joining us. I have been Hank Green. I've been Sarah Riley. I've been Stefan Chin. And I've been Sam Schultz. SciShow Tangents is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. It's created by all of us and produced by Sam Schultz and Caitlin Hoffmeister. Our sound design is by Joseph Tuna Medish. Our social media organizer is Victoria Bongiorno. And we couldn't make any of this without our patrons on Patreon. Thank you. And remember, a mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be lighted. But one more thing. In the 1800s, we still had the idea that your bowels have to be purged to balance fluids to help with health. And one way to do that is by swallowing an everlasting pill made from antimony, which is toxic to us. Mm -hmm. So you swallow it, puke or poop your guts out, and then recover the pill to reuse over and over again. Please don't. You can use it forever. But don't. It's like a gobstopper, except (laughs) it's poison. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they also had it in cups. So mm. you put like wine in an antimony cup and then swirl it around and then the acid oh, from the wine fun. dissolves some of the cup. And so you drink it and then it's an emetic. So it makes you puke. What a great yeah. time for everybody. Mm-hmm.